Hey guys, welcome to the Elite Coaching Podcast, episode 9, Coaching Female Clients. I hope you are all very well, and it's been a while since I jumped on and rambled on one of these podcasts, but I'm actually excited to kind of get back doing it again. Um, I'm trying to give you guys a, a bit of an update before we, we crack on. So it's been a while since I've done one of these, but I just wanted to give, I suppose, give you guys the reasoning as to why there's been a delay in in these episodes. Um, I made a promise to myself when I started off this podcast that each episode was going to offer something of value to people and it's the reason why I haven't put out consistent podcasts week in week out because I think it's very very hard to offer immense value to people when you're just putting out content for the sake of putting out content it's something I never said I would do because I do believe that I am extremely valuable to myself to my clients to the people who follow my page because I don't put out stuff that often but every time I do put something out whether it's a result whether it's a post it always offers something of value to people and people can learn from it. And the same goes with the with the podcast. You know, I created this to make an educational platform for coaches and fitness professionals to come and learn and upskill. So we're we're kind of coming towards the last quarter of the year now where you know we have a lot of my females coming towards their end of their photo shoot prep. Um, and the reason kind of behind this this podcast was, you know, just this week alone. I've had such a successful week with with the girls getting ready for their shoots that I just thought, you know, there's a lot that I do on a day-to-day basis that I feel people could really benefit from. I think, you know, if you're a coach looking to learn how to improve your females' results, I definitely one person to learn from because I, I produce good results with females. You know, it's what I've kind of been known for now. So I, I, I was running through this week and I was going through, you know, my day-to-day coaching and I was running through my clients, my prep clients, my normal clients, and just what I offered those females, I felt, you know what, people can definitely learn a little bit from this. So this is why I decided to put out this episode, why I've pieced together what I'm going to talk about today, because I do feel like it's going to offer a lot of value for people. Um, but coming towards the end of the year now, just give you guys a bit of an insight into where we're at and in, inside the business. Coming towards the end of the year now, we're have about eight, eight females now getting ready for photo shoots in the next two months, and it's a very, very exciting time. And me as a coach, this is such a pleasure to be able to coach all these females because it just offers me you know so much job satisfaction being able to coach these guys individually and having them all finishing on extremely high notes and on a pretty we'd say a pretty shitty year being able to finish on a a high note with all these guys is um is amazing and i'm feeling extremely privileged to be in the position that i'm in today but it's come from nearly nine years in an industry climbing the ladder and, and educating myself and working endlessly and trying to get to the position that i'm in right now to be able to you know have a, such a strong team of clients behind me who have the utmost trust in what i do so overall a bit of a recap it's been very successful since we've spoken last results are improving since we spoke last the team is growing at an extremely fast pace since we spoke last so everything is all good from from the coach's end i'm, I'm, a, I'm a happy coach so when we're looking at coaching female clients where do we start um i think starting off looking at i suppose onboarding processes is the number one set point and is your onboarding process asking the correct questions to get the correct information that you can then go and individually write a program for someone right and when we're writing a program for someone what i want to speak about is how we can then individualize that coaching approach based off the information they give to the to the program that you write. It's essentially your roadmap to get them towards the journey. 
So inside of the, the consultation, we will be looking at asking a lot of questions based around the ovarian hormones, based around preference of training and preference of nutrition, and just trying to get as much information around their support systems as possible. And I feel the longer you're in coaching, the less questions you ask about food and nutrition, and the more questions you ask about their lifestyle, their habits, their support systems, and their why. For females, they rely on support systems a lot more than males do. And as coaches, we then have to become one of the most influential systems that they have in regards to support. If you cannot offer your female clients 110% support, the chances of them really adhering towards the goal is going to be very, very little because from a female's perspective, their emotions are like a roller coaster and way more than the males are. When they have bad days, they have bad days. When they have good days, they have phenomenal days. And it's your job as a coach to be there for them throughout that support. We're going to talk about support systems later on and how we can essentially increase that support and what you can offer them in line more of support to help them adhere to the goal. But we're looking at the initial consultation. You need to understand their support systems, where their support system lies and who they can rely on the most. Inside of that approach, what you are essentially doing is you are looking for flaws. You're looking for areas that you can implement yourself in. Do they have a partner? Is their partner supportive of their goal and body composition orientated goals? If they say, well, you know, sometimes he can be negative with comments, sometimes it doesn't really support, sometimes he brings home food that, you know, I'm not supposed to have, sometimes his support isn't really there, that's your chance to get in. There you, you slot into that specific place fantastically. If they have an immense support system, if the family, friends, okay, well, what you need to do now as the coach, you need to implement into them sometime throughout this phase that they can give back. As a coach, it's very important that you can you control where their support systems get their time back. Is it going to be after your first six weeks are done, you're going to allow them to have a meal off plan, a night away, a couple of drinks, that's going to give them the time back in their support systems. Is it going to be once a week offering them something small off plan that's going to give them the time back to their support systems? Is it going to be, you know, whatever it may be, but you, it's your job to implement that. Because if you get a client who trusts you 110% and you get a client who will run through a brick wall for you, if you do not implement something amongst the journey to break up the monotony, to give them back their support systems, their support systems will suffer. And as their support systems suffer, what happens is in a roundabout way, the trust of that client in you starts to suffer because they don't understand who to take their frustration out on. They just know that you're the one that told them to do the plan. You're the one that, that pieced all this together. So you have to be to blame. When it's your job as a coach, you could have specifically given them something along the way to help adhere more to the goal. But when it comes to coaching the actual individual itself, that's when all the data that we collected from the ovarian hormones, from previous um, contraceptives that were used, if the, the number one question that needs to be asked, have you ever gotten a hormone imbalance test done? You need to know, does your client suffer with PCOS? Has your client ever had amenorrhea? Does your client have high estrogen? Does your client have high progesterone? Does your client have issues with follicular stimulating hormone? Does your client have issues with the luteinizing hormone? If you do not know that information, you need to know that information. You need to know where your client's ovarian hormones lie, where they were, and where they're going in the future. Because you, as a coach, can play a huge role in that. How many coaches 
advise their clients on what um, form of contraceptive they should be on. How many clients do you, how many coaches do you think have the skill set to actually sit down in front of the client and say, A is better than B because why? And this is why as a coach who I deal with so many clients, with a lot of clients on the book, you have to be completely up to scratch with your ovarian hormones. And if you don't, the chances of you getting results from your clients are not going to be high because we're going to run through everything now shortly about how ovarian hormones play a huge role in not only training, nutrition, but when we're looking at then evidential data surrounding progressions, we will speak later on about how to monitor progression around the ovarian hormones as well. But we're looking at the, the, the individualized coaching approach then. The second you have created the plan, so you have all the subjective data together, you have the full background of their ovarian hormones, you understand now exactly where you can implement your training and nutrition around the ovarian cycle, or if we even need to advance it around the cycle. Now we start to piece things together. So the first step in the road is to basically create a start point. For a female, they need to have a start point, tiny little milestones to hit along the way, and an end goal. Now, just because you set an end goal, does that mean you set an end date? No, it doesn't. An end goal and an end date are two completely different things. A female needs to have specific body composition related targets to hit rather than a time frame. Females don't care about time frames. I can put a girl on a, on a female on a diet and we can run that diet for 17 weeks, 20 weeks, 25 weeks or 6 weeks. The time frame means absolutely nothing towards them. Once they are seeing physical improvements, that's what drives their motivation. So we're just taking a, let's let's talk about it from a, a very very common conversation I would have when I'm doing consultation to a female or when we're looking at photo shoot prep. Okay, when do you want to do the prep? I'll ask, and they'll say I had a time frame of X, Y, and Z. Then I'll say, okay, now what do you want to look like in the prep? And they'll say, I want to be X, Y, and Z. And I'll say, okay, for us to get to X, Y, and Z, here's what we have to do. And we start talking more about the changes that we're going to physically see. We're talking more about the journey that we're about to embark on. We're talking more about small, I suppose, milestones we have to hit in regards to body composition, in regards to strength, in regards to muscle mass, that we're basically mapping out this roadmap ahead of them where the conversation about timeframes never came into play. It came in initially at the start because I want to analyze where their mindset is at. If they say, if it's in the next six to eight months, I'm happy to go. And you know they're in this for the long haul. If they say, oh, I want to do a prep, but I want to do it in maybe 10 weeks, you know you're going to have an issue there along the way. And you have to really work on their mindset about opening up their mindset more to be driven towards body composition related, not time related. So when you've kind of gathered up all that data and you understand the approach, now it boils down to you, the coach, to be able to piece together the roadmap. So starting off day one, where do we go at day one? For females, we need to understand that less is more. And we always need to understand that variables will only be played when we need to play them. And when we need to play them means you will push everything towards adherence and consistency rather than pushing towards chopping and changing food around, dropping food down, increasing cardio. You need them to be more adherable. You can get a, a female, prime example, Karen, one of my girls who's shooting in two weeks' time. We've hit her lowest point of prep this far. Lowest point of prep. And I think on her training day, she's on 1,700 calories. And on her non-training day, she's on about 1,450, excluding veg. 
So that's 1,700 calories with veg, probably talking near towards the 2,000 calorie mark. 1,450 with veg, probably talking towards maybe the 1,650 mark. And the reason why her food has stayed so high all prep is because every time we manipulated food intake, it was a last resort. So when we're looking at the initial phasing, the initial programming considerations have to be in a position where food is sky high. Females can metabolize food extremely well based on their ability to train very well. If I gave you 2,000 calories a day versus 1,200 calories a day, if I put you into an environment, and this is again where it really boils down to the individual coaching approach, if I put you in an environment where I'm expecting progressions every single week, where I'm expecting lifts to increase, where I'm expecting progressive overload to be our main driving factor in body composition change, but there's an insufficient fuel source available for that specific goal, the chances of us then actually adhering to that because you're giving them expectations that's out of their reach. You have to give them expectations that's in their reach. So give them adequate fuel source to do so. When we start off these journeys, food stays high, output stays minimal. 10,000 steps a day. It's enough cardio for anyone starting off a fat loss journey. And even just a conscious effort towards output can hone a very positive response. When we're looking at intake, intake then is starting off as high as possible as well. Making sure that training intensity stays high and utilizing training intensity as the main driving factor in physical change across the initial um, perspective of coaching. But that initial individual coaching then has to be boiled down to the individual relationship that you build with each client as well. Because I, I think that the tears fall relationship, trust, result. If you can gain a good, solid relationship, and this then boils down to communication and support, which we'll talk about later on. But if you can build an individual relationship with that client and make each one of your clients feel like they are your only client, that will then instill trust in the client. When the client trusts you and trusts your ability, that will then increase adherence, that will then increase consistency, and then that will then increase the result. But what you have to understand is females are drawn towards results. They want results, results, results. If you can show them and showcase them that you can do that, but also being in a position where you're giving them early signs of progression. So let's say you start off, food stays high, output stays low, you are adamant about training intensity and their hip thrust, let's say for argument's sake, goes from 100 kilo to 120. And then their hack squat goes from two plates per side to three and a half plates per side. What you've then done to them is you've shown them that with the fuel you've provided, you've offered them increases in strength. Boom, trust has been gained because they know to themselves, okay, he knows what he's talking about. He knows that whatever whatever moving forward he says is going to work because it's just it's just worked in the past and i feel strength is the best thing to trial that out with because as we all know if you had a female on 1400 calories a day and you put her on 2000 calories a day of course she's going to get strong right but it's you then showcasing that everything that you say is going to work future planning so relationship trust result relationship trust result Build a solid relationship, you will build a foundation of trust, you will then get those guys adhering to results more. The secondary thing I feel is extremely important to, to understand when we are looking at programming, programming has to be based on contraceptive use. If you are not programming off contraceptive use, the chances of manipulating manipulating food intake based on hormonal perspective 
is going to be wrong. If we have a client, let's say for argument's sake, on the marina coil. So we have a client on the marina coil. The marina coil or the copper coil do not manipulate hormones. The marina coil will release a small amount of progestion, which is an offset of progesterone. When we have that tiny inset of progesterone, not progesterone, it does not manipulate hormone functions. So we still have estrogen flowing nicely. We still have progesterone flowing nicely. We still have follicular stimulating hormone flowing nicely. And luteinizing hormone is down regulated because we're not trying to have ovulation present. With the coil in place, we can manipulate training protocols and nutritional protocols effectively. What I'm going to do first of all is I'm going to talk about the... I'm going to talk about the pill and two different types of pill. So we have a combination pill or a combined pill, which is estrogen and progesterone together. So basically what happens is when we have a synthetic form of a hormone pushed into the body, estrogen and progesterone now will rise in sync. And in sync for 21 days, you will see an increase of both of those hormone functions. If we take that away and we look at natural ovarian physiology, in the luteal phase of the um, in the luteal phase of the cycle, progesterone will be more present. In the follicular phase, estrogen will be more present. So your first week, two weeks of the cycle, you will see a big increase in estrogen. Then that will fall back down again. And as that falls down again, then in the last two weeks, you see a big increase of progesterone, and that will then fall back down. So it's like these kind of hills, as you would call them. First two weeks rises and drops estrogen. Last two weeks rises and drops progesterone. When we're on a synthetic form, you just have an increase and that increase stays across the board for 21 days or whenever you essentially are using that um, form of contraceptive. When we then break from the pill, then we have an, a natural surge and increase of LH, which is your luteinizing hormone, which increases the chances of ovulation and conception. And then you have obviously an increase of the follicular stimulating hormone, which produces a bleed. Key components you need to understand when looking at a pill is longevity. When we have a shut off of ovarian hormone function, the longevity of those ovarian hormones returning again is very little. I, a prime example, had a consultation with a girl today and has been using the pill for seven years. And we just ran through some of the pros and cons of the pill. And at the end of the call, we have agreed that the first thing we're going to do inside of coaching is we are going to switch to the marina coil because that female then understood the negative implications of using a synthetic form of a hormone versus the natural form of a hormone. So what I'm going to just basically do now is just give you guys a bit of an insight into conversations that you should be having with females coming on board around contraceptive. So we have a female who's on the pill. We need to ask questions around fertility. When was the last time you had a fertility check done? When was the last time you had an egg count done? If they say, I don't know, recommend them to go and get one done. If you shut off natural hormone function, which is what you do when you take some form of synthetic hormone, the chances of you then regaining natural hormone function post using that contraceptive is very, very minimal. There is specific things that we can do coming off the pill to try and help regulate hormone functions naturally again. But me as a coach, I stay in my own lane. I recommend a lot of my clients to go and see Ashling from AOK Nutrition. Ashling was on my podcast. We done a female physiology podcast. It was episode two, I believe. Um, and inside female physiology, 
Ashling speaks a lot about um, the oral form of contraceptive. And I, I recommend a lot of my clients to go to see Ashling because Ashling, as a nutritionist and as a homeopath, will recommend the best possible chance for you to regain natural hormone function after coming off the pill. The percentage of females regaining their natural cycle within the first one to three months of coming off the pill is 25%. So within 90 days of you coming off that pill, there's a 25% chance of you regaining your natural cycle again. There's been no studies done past 90 days as to how long it takes to come back. So when we even look at study and the basis of artifacts showing when your natural hormone function can return again is very, very little. So let's talk about the 21-7 approach. And again, this is conversations that you can be having with, with your clients. The 21-7 approach was designed on 23rd of June, 1960. So one thing I say to a lot of my clients is, would you drive a car from 1960? Would you wear clothes from 1960? Would you eat food from 1960? If I gave you a training program from 1960, would you follow it? So why are we using a form of contraceptive that was produced in 1960, 2020 June? The spike in the, tw- the seven-day gap that we get from clients, so from a lot of you guys, it will be either 21-7 or it may be like 25-3 or 21-7, whatever it may be, right? There's always a, a gap, but the most common approach is 21 days on the pill, seven days off the pill. On the seven-day gap in the pill, you have an initial surge of LH, which is your luteinizing hormone. Then you have a following surge of of FSH, which is your follicular-stimulating hormone. When we have that peak spike in LH, which can come around day four to five on that gap, ovulation is at its highest, meaning you can conceive if you have intercourse around day five of your seven-day gap, you can conceive. Study and evidence is shown that the 21 day seven approach was put in place to make sure that on your 21 day cycle of the pill, you cannot conceive. And the seven day gap was to see if you can conceive. So it's kind of mind boggling to think that people actually prescribe that form of contraceptive to people. Us as health professionals, now in 2020, it's our duty to make sure that the hormonal perspective of clients is in the right order, that the longevity of our clients' hormones are in order, and the actual specific adaptations that we can make to our clients' hormones are in a very healthy and health-orientated manner. If you can get pregnant on a seven-day gap from a birth control that probably 90% of females are on seems like a ludicrous approach to take, right? I'm probably not the only one who feels that way. I'm sure there's other coaches who feel that way as well. But it's in our duty to advise. It's not in our duty to tell clients you have to do X, Y, and Z. That's why I'll have that conversation with a lot of my clients. And after that conversation, I'll say, I recommend you to go and speak to Ashling from AOK Nutrition because she is qualified to do so. Our then next kind of role as as coaches will be once we have a really good understanding of their hormones and once we kind of understand the reasoning as to why they're on a certain form of contraceptive, a lot of females will be on the pill because the pill was 
told to them, this is the right form of contraceptive for you because we don't want you to conceive. If that was the case, you do have the power to step in and say, well, I'm looking at this from a hormonal perspective. I'm looking at this from longevity of your health, longevity of your fertility. I think it's wise to come off and go on a non-hormonal. If that client was put on the pill because they had a skin issue, hormonal imbalance, mainly estrogen. If they were put on that, that pill because they had bad PMS, premenstrual symptoms, usually an imbalance in progesterone. We then have to weigh up the options of, is it in our right, I suppose, mindset and approach and our, is it in our logic to really take them away from that if that hormonal imbalance is going to set in during a diet phase? Let's put this into perspective. You tell a client who has really bad PMS, premenstrual symptoms, to come off the pill. She comes off the pill. During her dieting phase, she is extreme, uh, experiencing extreme cramps, really heavy bleed, really bad bloating and irritation to the stomach. Or is it wise to potentially look at going through the diet phase while still using that form of contraceptive? When the diet phase is over, then looking at now implementing a new non-hormonal um, form of contraceptive that we can then utilize in a position where we're not in an aggressive diet phase. So it's kind of like playing your cards wisely and choosing what fight is the right fight to take and when is it time to take that fight. The implications then on, on running I suppose on a non-hormonal perspective allows us to really manipulate training and nutrition around the ovarian cycle so let's talk about utilizing a marina coil or a copper coil when we have a marina coil in place we can have weak specific phasing specific and um, tracking specific adaptations to the plan that can be set out from day one so we understand we get them to keep a, a period log right we get them to keep a log of their cycle so we know when their cycle falls i use this just on my tracking sheets on a week-to-week -week basis i ask them when their period came i can go back and forth between week to week month to month and i can see exactly what way their ovarian cycle is in place if we're looking at then and we understand say the cycle falls on week one so on the first of march they had a cycle this year so we understand okay so the first of march that was week one i track forward 28 days they'll be on the latter end of that luteal phase so in week one we always understand and we know that there is an increase in the kcal requirement found inside that week so we can essentially increase their intake levels on week one and week two because we can see and studies back that there's an increased kcal requirement therefore turning over an increase in sensitivity towards insulin when we have that insulinogenic sensitivity in place, the body now has an increased fat metabolism. So put that into easy to understand perspective. Week one and two, if you have a client on a non-hormonal form of birth control, marina coil, copper coil, or no form of contraceptive at all, you can essentially increase their carbohydrate content. You can increase their cardio. You can increase their output because they have a higher fat metabolism. They're going to lose more body fat in week one and two. They're going to utilize carbohydrates more in week one and two. The follicular phase. Then we look at the luteal phase, week three and four. We can then reduce calories because we're reducing output. Inside of week three and week four, as progesterone rises, so does cortisol. 
not only so does cortisol, so does intercellular sodium retention. So their body is essentially going to hold more fluid, hold more intercellular fluid, but also can upregulate massively around retention of, of fluid. When we have that then reduced calorie intake, I would push for week three and four, bringing calories back down because as the stress hormone around progesterone increases, the higher the level of progesterone, the higher the level of cortisol, the body then has a reduction in fat metabolism. So if we have a reduction in fat metabolism, if we have an already increased hormone response from stress, is it wise for us to keep pushing cardio? Not necessarily. Let's have a reduction. Is it wise for us to keep pushing training protocols at a really high level, pushing progressive overload, pushing and um, you know training overall training intensity? I don't think so. So we have to be in a position where we are utilizing our coaching approach and coaching practices towards that phase specific approach. In that latter end of the luteal phase, when we have the massive increase of progesterone and we have that cortisol increase, I really do think it's wise for us to really use our cards wisely in this phase in regards to body composition analysis. If we have a high increase of stress, any client of mine who ever has gone through a diet phase before, a prep before, will understand the importance that stress plays in how your body looks. And this then can even boil down to on a deeper level of when are you going to schedule shoots. If you're setting an end date, we're going to shoot on the 25th of June. And you know that that client is in week four of their luteal phase. You know that on week four, in that luteal phase, stress elevation is so high, intercellular fluid retention is going to be higher. You know that when stress is that high, they look their worst. Is it wise for you to then look into booking shoots, booking finish points of preps around that point when you know they look their worst and when you know that their kind of availability towards having a really high um, fluid retention, it's not a wise move to make. We'll be looking at more week one, week two, when we know fat, metab fat metabolism is at its highest. We know there's a reduction in overall stress as progesterone boils down. Nine times out of 10, your female clients will look their best on week one and week two rather than week three and week four as estrogen is a much more anabolic hormone. It's going to make them feel a lot more better. So it, this is when it, it again boils down to coaching the individual. Each female needs to be coached as an individual. We do not coach the masses. We coach the individuals. So taken from that, you can clearly see that there is a lot more that boils down to contraceptive intake and how contraceptive plays a massive role because as you can just see on a non-hormonal form of contraceptive, you can have weak specific adaptations, week one, week two, week three, week four. When we have a hormonal contraceptive, you will have no availability to manipulate because when we do not have a natural increase of estrogen, natural increase of progesterone, there is no increase in KCAL requirements. There is no increase in fat metabolism. There is no increase in sensitivity towards insulin. It's just a flatline effect. So you do not have the availability to play around with those variables. The, I suppose, mechanisms of, of how that will be applicable when we're looking at then just your, your average Joe client, everything we spoke about can be applicable to everyone because when you go with the grain, 
in regards to your female clients and when you go with the grain in regards to their ovarian hormones it doesn't matter if they're a photo shoot prep client it doesn't matter if they're just an average joe it doesn't matter if they have you know a big goal or a small goal implementing those changes is going with the grain but also having an availability to manipulate hormone function and seeing hormone function massively improve is improving their health Clients come to us because we want to get them a result. We then want to improve our clients' health. So there's always this tug of war effect of which do we push more. I strongly believe pushing the client's health over pushing body composition changes is going to be it's going to pay you off longer in the long haul. Just doing the simple bias that you can see more of a response rate then increasing as we see health increases. And as you, I can guarantee you, if you take a client who's on either a combination pill or a progesterone only pill which would be like your um um which would be your yasmin or the combined we will see a great increase in rate of response when we have them on something like a marina coil or a copper coil you can tell i haven't done this podcast in a while i'm just consistently drinking as <laughs> as, as i'm running through so I hope that kind of understands a little bit more from, I suppose, a coaching aspect where we can step in and where we can recommend to go because it then, of course, dictates our ability to, to coach from. So what I'm going to speak about next is, is mindset and support systems. So females will have very strong mindsets when mindsets need to be strong and they'll have very weak mindsets when mindsets are weak. And us as as the coach, when we step in and begin to coach the individual, you need to know your role of where you kind of stand amongst this pecking order of support. And it is your duty to fall extremely high in that pecking order. It is your duty to have an availability to that client that they know they can trust in you and they know that they can confide you and this boils down to that initial phasing of showing them a result early showing them something early that they can confide in you quite well they can understand that they know you are going to give them the best possible outcome to get the best possible result and the support systems come in different different ways it can come from high communication it can come from a build-up of trust of consistency and results I truthfully believe that the more communicational you are with your female clients, the greater rapport you will build. And then in return, the greater the respect is mutually between each other that when times are good and when times are bad, they're going to confide. The appropriate approach, I feel, is going to be driven towards intensity and aggressiveness within the program. So let's say we have a female client who has you know, started off their prep and they're moving towards the first couple of weeks of their diet and the diet is not that aggressive. Do they need to have consistency in communication? Not necessarily because it's one of those cards that we have to play extremely wisely and it has to be played at the right time. So the client then rolls on and, you know, we went from 2,000 calories a day to now 1750. We went from 10,000 steps to 15,000 steps. So there has been a bit of a shift change in the dynamic. And with that shift change in dynamic, then comes shift change in your approach to step in as a coach. Because as the plan becomes more aggressive, the chances of motivation dropping motivation dropping becomes a lot higher. And when motivation begins to drop, whose job is it to step in as the coach? It's your job, of course. 
When we then increase even further, then it's really your time to step in. Because from a female's perspective, they need to be drip fed motivation all the time. They need to have high levels of communication all the time. And this when it comes to coaching the individual. So we're going to put it into perspective. If I have a client who's 12 weeks out from a shoot, they'll probably speak to me twice a week. Communicate with me twice a week. We'll have a check-in on whatever day we designed a check-in. And then we'll have another day specifically for a WhatsApp check-in. Just let me know how you're feeling. Let me know what your physique looks like. Let me know what your scale weight was. Let me know if there was any shift changes or, or changes in sleep and HRV. And we'll take it from there. As we then fall to the eight-week mark, it will probably roll to three times a week, four times a week. As we hit the six-week out point, they'll check in every single day. Every morning I wake up, my morning routine is I get up, I have my coffee, I get some daylight exposure in, and I respond to all prep clients. So every single one of my prep clients will check in with me via WhatsApp every single day. The check-in that I get, I'm just looking for data to see how they are responding I'm also looking to see what their mental state is like at that time. How do they feel that they look? That subjective data then can be changed on a daily basis. Sometimes I don't, I don't even pay close attention to the picture. I'm looking to see what they feel like, how their mental state is, how their sleep was, how their stress management was. Do they need to jump on a quick Zoom call to reinstate motivation? Do they need me to jump on a quick call to see how they're feeling? Or do they just need me to jump on to give them the deserved kick up the arse that they need because they're not pulling their weight? And this level of communication comes in then because they have such trust in you. They have such respect for you that you can be extremely harsh on them or you can kind of dance around. And what's going to gain the respect more? you being extremely harsh or you dancing around and i'm trying to give you a prime example right so i have this client karen a lot of you may see and i posted a picture of her today she looks absolutely incredible it's just two weeks out from her shoot all along we've never had an issue with mindset her mindset has been extremely strong from the day we started prep right up until this week we had a position this week where her training intensity dropped and she sent me a voice note, as we do every single morning. She checks in with, with physique pictures. She sends me over a voice note. She sends me over her chronometer readings. She sends me over her scale weight, her HRV, and her sleep every single morning. Inside the voice note, she said, I just don't know what happened this week. You know, just, just training intensity wasn't there. I went to the gym, and I just didn't even want to be there. <laughs> right? And as a coach, I saw red. I said to myself, you are two weeks out from your shoe. And this is the exact voice note that I sent back. I sent back, look, during these times, you're really going to sink or swim. Championship mindsets are not driven, are not made on excuses, and they're not made on weak mindsets. You've got two weeks to go. Get your fucking shit together. And I ended the voice now. She texted me back. That's exactly what I needed to hear. The following day, I got probably the best check-in that we've gotten to date. Her mindset was in an extremely strong position. She sent me over training footage, hit a PB on a T-bar row, which is a movement pattern that's extremely difficult to hit a PB on, right? But it was me stepping in as the coach and having a firm hand to say, get your shit together. There's no time for this. There's no time for you to be feeling sorry for yourself. There's no time for you to sitting around saying, I don't even want to train today. If you don't want to do it, go home. If you don't want to do it, don't prep. Do not think you have the right to sit here and have a bad day two weeks out from your prep, right? I could I, look, look, as a coach, I could have stepped in there and I could have had a softer approach. 
I could have, you know, danced around it. Look, you know, just maybe, you know, pick it up a little bit, you know, gave her a little motivational spiel, or I could have came down extremely hard. I only came down hard because I had the right to do so. Because Karen trusts in me. And she trusts in my approach and trusts in my perspective on things when I know there's a time to be hard, there's a time to be tough, or there's a time to be, you know, dancing around things. So the daily communication really sets in when when those guys and those females need to have that level of communication because at six weeks out from a shoe where there's a million and one different variables in place, we can manipulate variables on a day-to-day basis that can essentially promote further rates of fat loss. You know, I'll give you another prime example. I have Avian pushing for a second shoe of the year and we throw in high carb days left right and center upside down inside out they're just very sporadic at the moment because we understand to look our best we have to be fed all right avian does not run well on consistencies of low carb where we have tammy prime example another female client who's prepping at the moment who looks better after a low carb day so this is what i mean about you as the coach being able to actually understand on a really deep level exactly what phase your client is going to look their best because everything that we're doing throughout the prep i'm taking notes Karen looks good after a high carb day, taken up. Avian looks good after a high carb day, taken up. Tammy looks good after having one high carb day, three low carb days, taken up. And when you have this buildup of data coming and the momentum is coming and they're getting closer to the shoe and you know exactly where throughout their cycle they look their best. You know exactly where throughout the nutritional protocol they look their best. Is it post one high carb day? Is it post two high carb days? Is it when we had you know glutes today before? Is it when we had no cardio today before? Where are they sitting at their best possible physique? And for some people, for some coaches, that may seem like a lot of information to have to take in. But at the end of the day, what is a coach? It's somebody who collects data. It's somebody who then implements a said principle off that data. And it's somebody who implements a specific adaptation to impose a demand off the data that they are producing. If you want to be a good coach coaching females, you better get damn used to sitting down and assessing data. Assessing phase-specific considerations towards your tracking measures, right? And this is what I'm going to speak about next. Is the tracking measure of week-to-week more appropriate? versus month to month where do we sit in regards to seeing specific adaptations based on how they looked this week versus last week versus how they looked in week one of their luteal phase this month versus week one of their luteal phase last month up above we have or previously should i say we have assessed that you know week one of the luteal phase we have high progesterone, we have an increase of cortisol, potentially the client is not going to look their best because we'll have a really high level of intercellular fluid retention. Then we have week one of the follicular phase where estrogen is really high. There's a very low chance of progesterone being present, therefore low chance of stress hormone being present, therefore a very low chance of intercellular fluid retention being present. So when I'm analyzing a client's physique, I'm not analyzing them on a week-to-week basis. I'm I'm analyzing them on a specific kind of approach to seeing exactly where they are amongst their ovarian cycle. If they look phenomenal today, we'll assess where the cycle is. 
okay, they're weak too in their follicular. Estrogen is quite high. Luteinizing is starting to kick in a little bit. Okay, we know amongst that time they look their best. Okay, let me see last month. How did they look last month? Okay, fantastic. They look the same last month. Really, really good. Okay, now let's look at if you are week four and you are in that luteal phase, the, the last phase of the ovarian cycle before we start to kick into our um, follicular stimulating hormone kicking in again and we're coming towards then that the, the phase of our, of our period being present, which is week one. In week four, if they looked fluid, retention was high, if they look like they've gained a little bit of weight, is it accurate to base week two of the cycle check-in pictures versus week four of the cycle check-in pictures? No, it's not. It's not a wise move to base that off. It's not an appropriate, I suppose, approach to use basing a week two where they look their best, feel their best, and can train their best versus week four where cardio is going to be pulled down, where the phase-specific adaptation of stress response is going to be completely out of whack because cortisol is so high. You cannot base week to week. You have to base cycle to cycle. And phasing within that cycle has to be based around what does week one look like this month versus week one last month? What does week four look like this month versus week four last month? And when you start to, to put those implica- implications into place, you are then coaching a female client. You're not coaching an individual anymore. You're not coaching, like, what's the difference between a male and a female? You know, is it this, is it that? Like, this is coaching female clients. This is how in-depth you have to get into your approach around coaching female clients and female condition. Where does female condition come into this? You know, how far can you push a female? You know, when we have everything set in stone and when we have, you know, your individualized coaching approach set, we have the relationship built, we have the trust built, we have the results implemented in from an early phase, we have the manipulations to contraceptive, what is the right contraceptive to use, okay, we now have them batting in our corner, we have them using an ovarian um, manipulator that doesn't really utilize the hormones, it can have natural free-flowing hormones, fantastic, then we have, you know, phase-specific nutritional and training implications in place, amazing, we then have, you know, my mindset and support is all fundamentally in place then we have our month-to-month analysis now it's the time to understand when to push so we have all that groundwork built up before we think about pushing hard and then you know like look i've absolutely no shame in saying this i run females on low calories because females can be run on low calories i think a lot of people are afraid to push female clients but then those same people don't get females lean you know, who, 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 who can we name like five coaches based in Dublin who can get females lean off the top of our hands? It's very hard to do so, right? We, we, we know clients who can get females results, right? But getting a female result getting versus getting a female lean is two completely different things. And I genuinely feel like it comes down to a fear factor. Don't ever be afraid to push your clients. Don't ever be afraid to give your client high cardio. Don't ever be afraid to give your client low food intake. But it's the time of when you do that. If you do that on week one of the diet versus week 16 of the diet, there's a massive difference between doing that because you've taken them from 2,100 calories to 1,800 calories to 1,600 calories to 1,400 calories to 1,200 calories to 1,100. And that's probably been done over a 16-week period. 
But when they're on their 1100 calories, say, and their cardio has gone from 10,000 steps to 12,000 steps to 15,000 steps to a half an hour every morning to 45 every morning to 400 calories every morning, it's been done over a 16-week period. But what's been happening inside of that 16-week period? You've done everything we spoke about earlier on. You've built the relationship. You've built the trust. But you're coming towards the end. You know, okay, we have week two of the cycle is predominantly the best time we can see a great physique. Now let's push that forward. Okay, we have June, July, August. We know week two of their cycle is going to fall on the 17th of August. We know they're going to look their best on the 17th of August. Let's book the shoot for the 17th of August. So we're pushing towards that. It's now the 17th of June. And we know to get that last little layer of body fat off, we have to push them into a really hard position. But all amongst this time, and as food's been coming down, cardio's been going up, you have been working off everything we spoke about inside at a really deep level. You have their trust. You have the mindset and support systems in place. We understand the month-to-month analysis. We understand the manipulations of fat metabolism. We understand these things now. It all makes sense now, right? But it makes sense to the client as well. Because every check-in we do, you're telling them you need to do X, Y, and Z to achieve A, B, and C. And they do it. You understand that every small, specific adaptation that we make to training, to nutrition, is all going to be driven towards the same goal. And they don't mind hitting the low food intake. Trust me. I have run clients on very low food before. Very low food. But it comes a time and a place a photo shoot client running on 1150 calories a day excluding veg so probably sitting around the 1300 calorie mark versus a female who's just doing it for the crack it's two completely different things right they're a different beast a photo shoot prep client will run through a brick wall if you give them the fundamental respect that you need and this is when it comes down to you know i think i do have an adequate level of respect because I've, I've put a lot of females through this now you know if you look at my instagram it's predominantly females there's a lot of lean females on there there's females who've hit scary body composition before grace avian now looking at tammy karen there's guys who are on there like we have um we have emma lavelle who i posted um yesterday like we have guys on there who are getting like crazy low levels of body composition because they trust the coach so i think everything in regards to female coaching female clients does boil down to them trusting in you basing off the previous experiences that you have had with other females as well it's it's a very very important conversation i think that needs to be brought up because if you are predominantly a male coach or you you don't necessarily get like really good results do you have the i suppose right to tell them listen you have to do this because i know it works not necessarily right females respond to trust then when we're looking at kind of i suppose peaking and coming towards the latter end of of phasing a latter end of these kind of diet phases when we're looking at female clients it's it's boiling on a day-to-day basis so we can set up a peak week protocol we can set up a protocol in place that's going to get them to the finish line but again it's boiling towards the day-to-day phase specific consideration that we need to understand when they look their best and how they look their best and this comes from the weeks and months leading up to these end results that's going to give them the definitive factor of okay we know post high card day x is going to produce a result we know post low card day x is going to produce a result and your peak week protocol and final stamp on this is based on what we have seen throughout prep 
where we have seen them at their least, leanest, where we have seen them at their most muscularly full, what foods do we know agree agrees extremely well. And that kind of regulation of water intake, sodium intake, potassium intake is all driven towards that final week. Now, I'm not going to give too many secrets away, um, but it's, it's based on the final week and it's based on the communication increasing even further on that final week. Two weeks out, for a lot of my clients, it will be every single day we'll communicate, sometimes twice a day. Peak week, every single day we will communicate two to three times per day with physique pictures, with an overview of how they are, how they look, how they feel. And then you can essentially manipulate the cardio, the training. Like who was to say you have to pull cardio out on a specific day? You know, just because we're doing a seven-day peak week, do you pull cardio out on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five? That will be based on how they look and how they feel. If you feel like water retention is not necessarily coming off in the specific manner that we have predicted, then you know, okay, maybe stress response is too high. We need to pull pull cardio. Cardio increases sympathetic dominance. We know that your himbine a very common tool a lot of female clients will use, increases um, sympathetic response. We know that with the reduction of your himbine, with the reduction of cardio, we know then that the specific adaptation that that has on the system in regards to sympathetic response and intercellular fluid retention is going to massively be now favoring us in our dry out process. I think the, the big thing for a female throughout the last week is just responding to stress keeping them in a very low stress environment. Understanding that you haven't scheduled their shoot to be on week four of their luteal phase and the last week of the cycle when uh, progesterone is higher and stress is highest. If we have them on you know, week two or week one and we've just come off that progesterone dominant week, we now have to really metabolize stress at a very, very high level. So... The stress management protocols throughout that week will drastically change as well. We'll be looking at meditation once a day for 10 minutes to potential meditation four times a day. We'll be looking at, you know, a half an hour of daylight exposure now to be pushed towards maybe the 60 to 90 minute mark. All cardio and scheduled steps now to be moved outdoors and just allowing them to enjoy the process. I think this, this is the number one thing which we're going to wrap up on um, is, is teaching them to enjoy the process. I think for for females, they get so wrapped up in A to B, they lose sight of what's in between. You know, when we're looking at finalizing a photo shoot prep and it's 12 weeks away or six weeks away or eight weeks away, whatever it may be, female clients get so driven towards the finish line, they completely lose sight of what's happening at the moment, of how good they look, how they're performing, how the level of communication is so strong at the moment, their support systems are so strong at the moment, their availability to have high fat loss is so present at the moment, they lose sight. So as a coach, this is when it steps in for you as a as a mindset coach and a support system to then to, to ground them a little bit at times, to to tell to teach them to enjoy the process more. You know, some of some of my check-in responses with clients have been nothing to do with food or training related. It's it's telling them you need to relax and enjoy this moment because this moment is going to come and go so fast. Many of my clients who are going to listen to this uh, have looked back on photo shoots and gone, Jesus Christ, that's gone by so fast. But it's gone by so fast because you've focused on the finish line so fast. You've allowed it to go by so fast. So teaching them to, to sit back, relax, and enjoy the process will then teach them to metabolize stress a hell of a lot more. 
So we hope inside that conversation, um, I outlined a lot about what approaches need to be taken when coaching a female client, where your eye as a coach needs to be when coaching a female client, and what you can do and the power that you have in your hands to really manipulate body composition needs to be as a as a coach dealing with female clients i will make more of an effort to make more podcasts because i do enjoy them and i know people do get a lot of value about them but we always have to understand that i do run a, a pretty busy business and it's me all by myself trying to trying to run everything but i will make more of a conscious effort um, in the future so keep an eye on my page guys for um my 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 clients who are coming up now we have photo shoots in the next two weeks we three of them together which are pretty damn exciting and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next two months of my team hitting some pretty big highs in regards to the um results that we're about to get hope you're all keeping well during lockdown and um, if anybody has any questions on what i ran you today please shoot me a message on instagram i'd be happy to help i'm always looking for support on sharing the podcast as well guys so if you enjoyed the podcast please don't be afraid to share it because i know these podcasts offer you guys a lot of value but they could also offer your family and friends a lot of value as well i'll wrap it up on that now guys enjoy your remainder of this hectic year and we'll be back soon